Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlson and Sean. Forgive the voice here down in Texas. Uh, I would say it's you, the humidity in Houston, Carlos, but it's it's really not that hot, so it's probably my fault. Like uh, like most things in life, right? Does that sound or e enough for you? <laughs> it sounds no, it sounds little... uh, sounds legitimate and accurate. I would say. Okay, well, I'm a little uh, a little under the weather, but uh, should be hopefully good to go for the national championship game down here tomorrow night between Michigan and Washington. In the meantime, the Lions uh, just beat Minnesota to win their 12th game of the season, tie a franchise record. And the last time they did that was 1991 when they got to the NFC title game and lost to, to Washington. But uh, what did you, you were there today, Carlos, at Ford Field. Uh, what did you see? What were the biggest takeaways? It was a nice atmosphere. You know, they, uh, they had a nice presentation before the game to, you know, uh, unveil their – their NFC North championship banner, a little, uh, you know, it was nicely put together, a video presentation and honoring that. It's some fireworks, which I'd never seen before, like kind of flashbang fireworks. Um, so it's a nice atmosphere for the fans. Um, you know, they, they, they played well enough. They just could never quite get enough distance between themselves and the Vikings to pull all their starters uh, early enough, and that's uh, kind of what led a little bit to Sam Laporta getting hurt. Their their sensational rookie tight end um, had a leg injury, a knee injury, and uh, Dan Campbell said it didn't look as bad. It wasn't as bad as it looked because it looked bad on the TV replays, but um, it wasn't necessarily great news, so they don't know if he's going to miss time. That would be a big problem for them, I think. Um but you know, I mean, they 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 it was a, it was a risk they knew they were going to take, and you know, Campbell talked about that, and you know, you can't just uh, not play anybody, and and uh, you know, it was worth it, right? Because they're going after the number two seed. They had to win today to try to make that happen. So, um, but it was nice. It was nice for the fans to get there, to to kind of welcome the team home and and uh, celebrate that that victory. And the one little thing that was kind of fun was uh, that. They had fun um, being emphatic about whenever Skipper, Dan Skipper, number 70, reported as eligible. And uh, the referee here, Brad Rogers, had a, had a, a kind of – was joking around with the players and the linemen. And whenever Skipper would report, he sometimes would tell the linemen, like, there's nobody else, right? It's just number 70? Okay, 70 is reporting as eligible. And so they made sure to, like, you know – double cross their T's and dot their I's because uh, all the problems last week. So uh, a nice atmosphere, 12 wins, like you said. Um, and now it's uh, we're going to see who they get in the playoffs. Could be the Rams uh, or the Packers, probably well, one of those two, right? It's, or the or the Seahawks. I, um, guess it could, I guess it could be the Seahawks, right? Yeah, yeah all, it's kind of all, all up in the history, air. All of the history. Well, when people are listening to this, they'll know, they'll think we're idiots. How did you not know this, Art? <laughs> Yeah, well, when we record, it could be one of those three, but each one comes with its own histories. Uh, the Seahawks, the, the more recent history, the 
the Packers are, you know, the Packers, the last time they won the division, the Lions did, they lost the Packers at, at the Silverdome, I want to say. And then, of course, uh, the Rams with Matthew Stafford. We don't need to, uh, you know, that's its own that's its own thing. Everybody understands that. I, staying with Laporta, though, for a second, Carlson, you wrote earlier in the week that you agreed with uh, Campbell playing the starters. And, uh, you know, I, talk a little bit more about about why you you wrote that and, and what your argument for that is. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of comparing them to the Rams, where the Rams were sitting everybody, um, it, it, you know, for their game against the 49ers um, and increasing their likelihood that they would get the seventh seed. Uh, the Rams would either get the sixth or seventh seed, and if they lose that game, then they go to the seventh seed, and they got to probably likely go to Dallas. And so it's just a much tougher road. And the Lions were... I like that they were being positive and hopeful and saying, look, we, you know, we, we want the, the number two season is, is an advantage. You get, you win the first game, you are guaranteed to get a second home game. Um, you know, it, it makes sense to make your road as easy as possible. Um, playing, playing backups. I mean, you, you, you certainly going to protect against injury. Um, but you got to play somebody, right? And so you can't just—I don't think the Hellions have enough players to just play entire an entire twenty-two people, you know, roster of uh, backups. But it's uh, to me, it was a risk worth taking, um, and they could just could never get enough of a lead. I would say like a, a three-score lead, uh, something like that. You know, uh, you know, even maybe twenty-four points or something might be something where you would feel comfortable in the second half of pulling you know, your starters off the field um, as much as possible. But, you know, it comes with its risks. I mean, nothing nothing is risk-free. Um, so if it does end up hurting them, um, I still don't regret that. I still don't think that they were wrong to try to get the number two seed. Um, you can never predict, right, I mean, who's going to get hurt and what's going to happen. Um, but, sure, it could have been – it, it could end up being a very costly decision – but I, I just like the idea of them being, um, you know, committed to their idea of trying to control their destiny as much as possible, make something happen rather than sitting back and saying, all right, we're just going to take the third seed and it is what it is. And we'll get one home playoff game and then probably have to go on the road and, and uh, you know, uh, have, a, have a tougher road. And I like that they're thinking of a longer playoff run, not just, hey, one playoff run game at Fort Peel and that's it. We're good enough. You know, that's, that should appease everybody. Yeah, I, I agree with you, by the way, uh, for whatever that's, for whatever that's worth. But I, I would also add, I think there's another point to be made here. I think there's another reason to play your starters, at least in the context of this Lions team. And, and that's what happened last week in Dallas. I just, well, there are a couple other reasons, but let's, stay, let's stay with that one. I mean, they lost a really tough game. They had one more game, obviously, against the Vikings. And I think Campbell decided that he, he wanted to get that taste out of the mouth. He wanted that completely behind him. Yeah. Wanted to get a win. And you know, he maybe even hinted at that today in the postgame when I, from what I tried to listen to some of it, but just maybe he didn't, maybe I misheard. But just this idea of being ready. And I think he did talk about that, right? We're ready. Mm-hmm. He wanted to yeah. see it on the field. And I think that's a really good uh, – I mean, you can – you're right. There's risks. What happened to Sam Laporta today is is really, really unfortunate. It could have happened to him at Dallas. Frankly, it could have happened in the beginning of the first quarter of the, the playoff game next week, right? You just sure. 
Absolutely. You don't know. This is how football is. But just the idea that you want to get your guys ready, you want the loss behind it. This isn't the team. This isn't the team that's been in the playoffs for the last four or five years. Then maybe it's different, right? And they they know what to expect. But he's trying to gain every psychological. To me, he's trying to gain every psychological advantage he can. And he wanted to kind of roll in that way. And I don't, I don't blame him at all. And and by the way, he did make it sound like the Porter would not play or the, the probability that he would not be available was pretty high. He said he, he called it bad news. He said, you're right. It didn't look as bad as it didn't. It, it's not as bad as it looked, but it's still, I think he said bad news, right? Meaning the phrase what, he used, it wasn't uh, something like not devastating news or something, but right. Um, but, but the kind of thing in the regular season probably cost him a few weeks, but just yeah. the good news is it doesn't by saying bad news is probably not an ACL, which would frankly cost him most of the next year. That's different. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, so it didn't seem like this is catastrophic and he's done. There's no hope. Um, but it didn't seem like he was going to be practicing anytime soon necessarily. So it's always hard. You know, it's right after the game. There's so very little information. Um, you know, we'll talk to him on Monday and find out more. But, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's it, it, you know, there was something to not they – hadn't, they hadn't lost uh, back-to-back games all season. Um, and I think you're right. I mean, if you're coming off that Dallas game, that's a good point, Sean, is you had a really tough loss, and then they come here, and yes, even though you're not playing your starters, to take another loss. Going into the playoffs with two losses, and if you're playing your backups, I mean, they they beat the Vikings 20-10, to 10, but the Vikings hung around. I mean, they just did not – and that was what – the Lions playing their starters against a four-string quarterback, Justin Jefferson and a four-string quarterback and no TJ Hawkinson. So um, I, they very easily could have lost with a, with a whole string of backups. Um, oh, yes. So then you're going in. What, what, what kind of momentum do you have? You have just the, the leftover seeding anger against Brad Allen in Dallas. You know, like that's – I don't know if that's really great for you. And this is a team also, let's not forget, um, point was made today was – they haven't been to the playoffs. Implant this team hasn't franchise hasn't been to the playoffs in seven years. Uh, I think maybe Decker's the only one left from that um, regime. Um, so it's not like oh well, you know, whatever. We've been here before. We're the Chiefs. We're always in the playoffs. It'll be okay. Um, this team doesn't have those postseason reps. And Campbell was asked about that, and and there's something different to that, you know. And Goff, I asked Goff about it too, and it's a different animal. You know, the energy level changes and sometimes the, the mentality changes of trying to do too much and trying to, you know, whatever, ramp yourself up for a, an extra important game. And they have to be reminded, as Campbell said, that it's just, it's the same thing. You, you know, don't do, don't do somebody else's job, stay in your lane, do your assignments, all that stuff, you know, stay focused and, and disciplined. Uh, and it's hard. It's an emotional game. It's, a, you know, um, whoever they play here in Fort field, it's going to be emotional and, um, you know, so it, it, it only helps, I think, when you're coming off a victory, even if it's unfortunately costly for uh, potential injuries. Um, you know, I think overall it, it, it'll serve the team well. Yeah, at some point it's just bad luck, right? It's just, yeah, it's just tough you're luck. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy. First, to first play of the, of the next of the playoff game, anybody could get hurt. Absolutely. No, for, no, no question. It's, it's just tough luck. And plus, there, there are examples the other way guys that, um, coaches that set their guys. Jim Caldwell did in Indianapolis one year and had a really good team, right? Mm-hmm. 14, yeah. 15 win team, maybe. I can't remember exactly what the record was, and they lost. Yeah. And he lamented that a little bit. I mean, you're always gonna, you're always gonna. If, if it doesn't work out, you're gonna go back and say, "Well, should I change? Or yeah. made a different decision." But, 
but uh, yeah, no, it's uh, I'm with you. It's nice to be it's nice to be uh, on your side. I, I like that. It feels feels especially you're in a weakened state, so it's easy. It's easier. I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling <laughs> uh, yeah, a little bit. I know I haven't. I've been down here in Houston and haven't left the room much in the last couple of days. It's funny to be back in Texas. I mean, I was just here literally for the for the Cowboys Lions game. But uh, in any case, well, let's uh, let's talk about what it means not having Laporta. I liked what you wrote in your three questions. Uh, your first question about asking Dave Burkett who the Lions could least afford to to lose, and I want to talk about your answer and his answer when we come back, and and what the Lions uh, can do if they're not going to have Laporta. But uh, first, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more free press sports with Carlson Sean. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. So, so what are they going to do, Carlson? I mean, it's yeah, well. First of all, uh, maybe some readers saw. I've seen this. I mean, I've seen your three questions by the time they hear this. But just to kind of reiterate, it was the top. It was the top of your piece, and you know, it's the most important piece. But I just can you kind of lay it out there? The conversation you had with Dave, just ironically, but that's the poor use of ironic or irony, but uh, coincidentally, you just happened to have that conversation at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were, we were talking about, um, cause that was the whole thing is like, do you, do you play your starters? Do you not, you know, whatever, how much is there to be gained? So we're just looking at the guys coming on the field and, and I asked him, you know, it's like, who could they, besides Jared Goff, who could they least afford to lose in this game? And he said, Amon Ross St. Brown. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's clearly St. Brown. He's their engine. He makes everything happen. He had a, you know, fantastic 70 yard uh, catch and run touchdown. Um, he's just a different level player for them on that offense. And, um, and then after that, you know, you know, I just started thinking about it more like, well, who else could you lose? And well, who would be the biggest loss? And I, I think it would be Aiden Hutchinson on defense um, he's their, their big star. He is the guy who gets to the quarterback and makes the biggest difference. It was nice for them to get Aline McNeil back, the defensive tackle. He definitely helped. And um, they had a decent game up front um, today, and Pascal made some plays. And I think on Wuzurike, I'm not sure if he got a sack or it was callback. But um, so, you know, but Hutchinson, I think, is number two pretty clearly. But then after that, I would say Laporta because you don't have somebody else who quite does his job his way. And he's got a lot of credit for doing everything that he has to do as a tight end, you know, uh, blocking the run game, blocking the pass game, uh, catch passes, obviously, is, you know, his, his big thing as an offensive weapon. And they just don't have anybody. Um, James Mitchell just doesn't have that skill set. Um, they used him after Laporta left. Um and then they used Dan Skipper too, and like jumbo tight end packages, and that was the reporting thing. Um, but he's a special player, you know. And and I asked off about that afterward, and you know, it's always the the cliche next man up and all that, and that's true. But you got to you got to move forward. There's no option. But 
he did admit that when I asked him, you know, you worked a long time on chemistry with him and timing. And that's been all the way through since, you know, mini camp and training camp and everything else. It's been the better part of the year. You can't just plug somebody else in there and it's magical unless you can get, you know, Rob Gronkowski to retire or whatever. But so that's going to be the challenge for them is he's a vital component of their offense. And without him, I don't know if, um, I don't know what they can do. Um, they may have to sign somebody, uh, somebody, you know, who's a free agent out there, but uh, it's going to, it's going to limit it. Campbell said, you know, I mean, I asked him the same question and he said, no, I think we have enough pieces, you know, on offense to be able to, to figure something out. And, and, and they do, they have a really good offense, so they can make up for it, um, you know, more passes out of the backfield or whatever. I think that Ben Johnson, you know, my, my favorite coach, Sean, as you know, uh, he's creative. He'll, he'll, he'll find a way, but you just don't replace somebody like that that easily. So that's going to be a big challenge for them. But yeah, I think he's, of course, when Jack Fox had a really nice game punting today. I'm like, well, maybe the punter would be really hard to replace too, but he flips the field for you. But uh, at least of the regular position players, I would say it was LaPorta was the third guy. So uh, maybe, ah, maybe they get lucky. Maybe, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe he gets to, you know, suit up in some capacity in a week, but um, if he doesn't, it's going to be a big challenge. It's funny you're talking about the punter, but that's not, that's no joke. I was at a game no. last week. It's uh, known as the Rose Bowl, and Alabama has one of the best punters in the country, and Michigan's punter's not so great this year. And that was a huge – I mean, Michigan won the game, but the amount of times Alabama flew the field because the punter was was critical. Yeah. And, uh, no, there's there's no question Jack Fox is, is, a, is a weapon that way. I would um, – boy, as much as I loved being on your side in the first segment, oh, I hate to do it. I like that place. It feels good. It feels cozy. <laughs> be honest with you. But uh, I, I agree. I mean, obviously, Laporta's a great, great young young player, and who knows how great he's going to be, you know, just as importantly. But because um, I imagine he's going to keep getting better for a bit. Yeah, I'm with you. He's, he's right there. I would contend – um, not by a lot, but I would contend that after we're taking golf out, right? And we say right. Amon Ross St. Brown, who I completely agree with. I would say Frank Ragnow. And partly because we have seen this season what it looks like when he doesn't play and when Laporta does. And it's not pretty. He just, he's, and I know it's, you know, we think, well, okay, he's the center or whatever, but, and we haven't really seen without Sewell. I don't, but even Sewell is, as great as he is, the importance to Ragnar to the run game up the middle to setting the linemen to the chemistry with golf, just uh, and just his nastiness up in there. He, he's a big part of who they are, and you know maybe it's a toss up. I don't know, but I, I just I think about what they've looked like without him when they've had Laporta. Laporta's been taken out a few times this year, and um, so you know. I guess we're both saying that Laporta is hugely important, but I'm with you. They've got, you know, Campbell mentioned they have stuff and they do. I mean, Jamison Williams has very quietly worked himself into an important part of this offense. It's right. kind of crazy that we're saying that, but it's what, what do you think of him? And can they go to him a little bit more? You, you're talking about Ben Johnson and his toys. What do you, what do you think there? Yeah. I mean, he would definitely, if he's back, you know, he probably would be back for this next game. Um, yeah, I mean, they could use him. They've done it. 
you know, in different different ways, um, end arounds, whatever it might be, uh, jet sweeps, things, you know. Um, but I don't think that – I think that the tight end position is unique, though, that way. Um, and it's traditionally a pretty hard position to, to learn quickly. The, the, the learning curve is steep. So that's what's been even more impressive about what Laporta has done. And I'm with you, though, with, with, with Ragnow. Um, you, you can make this case with Penny Sewell as well because he's – He's the fiery, you know, he's a captain. He's the fiery guy. He hypes them up right before the game. Um, he's he's probably their best lineman, I would say. Um, but Ragnow is vitally important because that position is so important. Um, so you could definitely make that argument. I, I, I think, and you know how I feel about the offensive line. But, um, you know, it's a massive humanity. It's a wall. You may be able to plug different people in. Um, clearly Frank Ragnall is better than Graham Glasgow as a center. So, um, but it's not like they don't have anybody there, you know, Glasgow's starting right now at right guard. He just slips, you know, slides over. Um, and there's really the, the drop off between Ragnall. And I think that's what I was kind of getting at. I mentioned the baseball war, you know, uh, win above replacement is this, the drop off from the next guy and the drop off from Ragnall to Glasgow is not as great as, you know, let's say at least for right now, Laporta and uh, James Mitchell, you know, that's a much deeper drop off or Dan Skipper um, in jumbo tight end packages. But so that's the concern. Um, That's, I think, why why I would say three. Um, uh, But, yeah, it doesn't you you can go you can go either one, probably. And uh, it would be it would be a huge loss uh, for different reasons. But, yeah, can't argue too much with you. No way. Well, yeah, it's, it's 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 interesting to think about about what they've looked like when they've missed him, and we haven't really seen him without Laporta. We've seen defenses kind of take him away, um, and that's going to happen from time to time. You know, to me, that's where Jamison Williams is is important right. too. But mm-hmm. you know, the other the other thing about Ragnow that it's not just the the run blocking is you know golf. Goff's under more duress. It, at least it was at Chicago, and I'm trying to think of the other game. Did. Ragnar didn't play against Green Bay either, I don't think, at down Thanksgiving. I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. I'm trying to remember. There was another game, though, where it wasn't just the run game. You could see Goff under more duress because Ragnar wasn't in there. And it's funny to say, it. you're right. Yeah, I know how you feel about offensive linemen. And, and I don't disagree with you there. It's just that the importance to those guys, to this particular team and this system, and we've seen when they don't have him what that looks like. But in any case, you're right. That I agree. The drop off from from Laporta to Mitchell is probably greater. It's just the importance of that spot. That's that's where it gets a little more a little more tricky. But um, well, you, you would know, rank have, you would rank quarterback as the most important, and then probably yeah. uh, center, left guard, right guard, left tackle, right tackle. So in that order, like one through six, those those guys. I would, right I would go quarterback uh, on every team, right? And then it depends from there on how you're built, you know, and what kind of quarterback you have. You know, you got yeah. a mobile quarterback, right? You know, but for this quarterback, <laughs> he needs Frank Ragnow. Uh, he also needs Benesul, Taylor he Decker. And, he needs protection. He needs time. Yes. He does. But, and, and it's funny because people to make me criticize him. What, what, I don't know how much you thought about this, but people criticize him. Some, well, yeah, you know, he's time. He gets time. He's good, like every quarterback. But that's not true. When he gets time, he's almost elite. I mean, when he gets time, he's really, really good. And that you yeah. can't say that about every quarterback that gets time. 
Mm-hmm. I've always thought that was a bit of a disservice to him. I agree. If he's under pressure, his production yeah. falls way, way off compared to the elite mobile quarterbacks. No question. But when he gets time, he's almost he's about as good as he gets. Maybe not quite, but close. I think when I think that's the thing that works well is you know between him and Ben Johnson, and Ben Johnson you know puts them in positions to succeed and asks them to do things that you know golf can do. You know, and that works well. So when things go well and he has the right amount of time or the play action pass, you know, works um, and the run game's working, you know, all that stuff, when it's working well, you know, you're not going to, you're not asking Jurgoff to roll out and throw a 50 yard pass. You know, you're not asking him to, to, you know, do an RPO and take it up the, you know, gut or what, you know, that's, so he's not asking them to do things that Goff can't do. That's what, that's what's smart about Ben Johnson's play calling, but you're right when he, and a lot of times he's in the right position. He's there and the receivers are running the right routes. He's getting enough time to throw and he's making those passes and he's, he can be very accurate. So that's, that's his strength. Um, and that's why it's working so well, but absolutely the, you know, the, the line is a huge part of that. The, communication with the center is a big part of that, you know, it's, his, his route runners are a big part of that. So it's, it all works, you know, cohesively, it all works com- in a complimentary fashion. So, um, you know, hopefully they don't get hit with too many more injuries that, that are going to limit that. But uh, yeah, golf doesn't get enough credit for playing within the system and, and, and doing as much as he's done. Well, and we'll see what Laporta too. I mean, obviously the better the defense, the, the, the more they'll miss him. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's one thing, too, with that. You know, I'm, I haven't looked at this, whatever, what, when you're talking about, you know, going against Green Bay or, you know, whatever it is. And it didn't look the same, you know, with Walt Ragnow. And you also have to look at the, uh, you know, who they're playing against. You know, who are the defensive tackles? Who are the edge rushers? How much pressure were they bringing? All that kind of stuff. It's because not every, not every defense is the same. Like today, Daniel Hunter played really well. So an excellent player for the Vikings, and they really did a great job of limiting the run game. Um, so they did. that was that's one of the Vikings' strengths, um, you know. But their their secondary isn't amazing. So of course, you know, it was smart to pass a little bit more. Um, so who knows? Whoever they draw in the playoffs, it'll that'll also play into it a little bit of luck, right? Of you know, watch they're gonna Laporte's gonna miss the game. They're gonna happen to face someone with bad linebacker coverage linebackers and like he could have exposed them or whatever and for sure um so <laughs> no, you never know sure. you can't control it you can't control anything well and the other thing too carlson and we can talk about when we re, when we reconvene for our our weekly uh version of this podcast we'll we'll get in a whole lot more to we'll know first of all who they're going to play and we can talk a lot about more about that but i just want to remind listeners and I, and I and i know listeners know this but you watch games, right? You all watch games out there that are listening. You, uh, Carlos, you've been watching these games for a long time. It doesn't matter a lot. Obviously, the seedings, I mean, yeah, they're blowouts in the playoffs sometimes. For the most part, these first few weekends, you got to make a play or two, and that's what it comes down to. All right. right? I mean, they're hard, they're hard games to win, and you don't normally roll people over. And it doesn't matter who comes in next week. They're going to have to make a play or two probably in the second half to win it. That's the life in the playoffs. I mean, it's the life in the NFL to a degree, too, but especially in the playoffs. You just triggered the Lions fans because they're going to say, yeah, you know who's going to make a play is the referee like they did in Dallas and picked up that piano. And where's Brett Allen? He's going to call a, you know, whatever, illegal formation. And, you know, like, so, uh, 
yeah, as, as we've seen with the Lions, you know, um, a lot of things can happen and they can, you know, there can be a, a weird a call that goes against them. And, and uh, but yeah, absolutely. The, 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 traditionally, the playoff games are tighter. You got better teams going against each other. So the margin of error, you know, is, is smaller. The, the, the gap in, you know, level of play is smaller so um it's it is it's going to be something that the lions are going to have to you know um account for and i think i think at this point you know the the thing that they have going for them i think one of them is that they played a lot of primetime games they've had the spotlight on them a lot this week this year uh the season so it's not like they're just rolling in there like they came out of nowhere they were two and 15 last year and they just caught fire and whatever like they've been under the lights they've had the pressure um, they've played well. They've responded to it. Um, you could almost say that they embrace the spotlight. Um, so those are good things for them, and that, that I think that bodes well. Um, I don't think it, I don't think the moment's going to be too big. Anything can happen. You can lose. You know. Uh, you know. weren't the uh, weren't the the Tom Brady's Buccaneers a, a wild card team that got in and won it? You know, a few years ago in the Super Bowl. So uh, of course it's Tom Brady, but yeah, I mean it can. Anything can happen. They have to be. They know that they'll be on guard for it. But you just want as much help, as many of your guys as you can get. That always helps. I think. No, oh, for sure. And, and they're and they're going to miss Laporta. I want to. I want to make that clear. <clears throat> All right. Well, I have a little bit of voice left, and plus, we promised our our fabulous producer, Mister Mister Robin Chan, that we were going to keep this one relatively short. I'm not sure that we have. Sorry, Robin. But uh, we need to get out of here. You got to get back to um, you got to get back to work. And can we just, uh, you know, hope you don't mind. Can we just acknowledge our buddy, uh, Mister Mister yeah. Kurt Dozier, and yeah. what he's meant to the what he's meant to the Detroit sports scene, what he's meant to the Detroit Free Press, what he meant to uh, you know so many people over these last several decades. All the images, but beyond that, you, you've seen all this too, Carlos, right? Just how he made people feel. How many times you walk into an arena, a stadium, a, a ballpark and see him and just the what he would, his presence, what that would do for you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Kurt was, uh, you know, not only the utmost professional and, you know, um, you know, really solid under pressure and ever, and that's hard in this business and always, you know, easy for people to respond to that. Uh, photographers have an extremely difficult job um but as a person he was he was just a joy to be around he was fun he was a little bit of a curmudgeonly you know guy right yeah. yeah but i'm like that too and we, we would have fun i'd always joke with him about uh you know obviously everybody shoots with digital cameras now but for yeah i would always ask him you got you got film in there <laughs> or you got you got some color film in there and um it's like what are you talking about man we haven't used film for 20 years and we'd go back and forth and um it was always fun to talk to kurt he loved fishing as a huge fisherman so um and one of the nice things i always remember the um when we talked about fishing i not that i knew anything about fishing but when i'd ask him about hey where have you been anywhere or whatever he'd talk about his fishing trips or he just went down to the river on a boat you know on a day he, he enjoyed that just as much as any trip and and he said, oh, you know what I love about fishing is just that it brings everybody together. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're a millionaire or your guy is, you know, doesn't have a house or whatever. And, you know, you get out on the river and you're all the same. Everybody's, you know, enjoying it the same way, doing the same thing. And, um, you know, brought people together. And he and um, Kurt was like that, too. I mean, I, there's nobody, nobody you could talk to. Nobody he couldn't talk to. He, was, he got along with 
just about everybody. I never saw him have a crossword uh, with somebody. Um, so his presence, not only as a professional, but as a person will be sorely missed. Oh, there's a huge, huge loss for obviously his family first and the free press family, the photo, the, the photo staff at the free press where he's mentored and meant so much to so many for so long. And, you know, he was, you're right. He was up for anything. I remember one time I was in Minneapolis. It was the final four in Michigan state was there. So it was before COVID. And, uh, you know, I had a little group this is back when I was a little more adventurous myself, but I had a little group going to this Vietnamese street food place. And Kirk was like, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, come on with us. He's like, Arr. and I told him what was, he's like, Arr. he's not kind of on the fence. I said, like, come on. <laughs> so he did. And um, and he just, he just leaned into it. You know, he, he wasn't necessarily somebody that went out and did that sort of specific thing. Well, you know, like he, he, he fished, you know, I, I go eat whatever we all have our things but i just remember that night it was i think he was the only photographer there all these you know self-important writers and, and uh he just he just just joined in and, and loved it and i wasn't afraid of anything i did, I did any new experience i love that about him and uh and, and i'll miss that um just one little thing about about kurt i was also you know thanks to the lions they did a nice job um, recognize him in the press box, made an announcement um, okay. about his contributions and his work um, covering the team for so long, you know, going back to the Silver Dome, obviously. Um, but also they did a little, um, you know, honored him in the, there's a photographer's workroom in the basement where they put up a nice little sign for him and some flowers. And, um, and they invited his son, uh, Kurt Jr., to come. And so he spent a little time with us in the, in the press box. And uh, oh, that's awesome. we got to see him. So it was very gracious of the Lions to, uh, to acknowledge Kurt and all of his uh, work over the years. And that tells you what kind of what photographer he was, what kind of what kind of fellow he was, right? Because it wasn't just the Lions, the, and, uh, the Tigers released a statement. I, I think the Pistons released a statement, right? Just, I hadn't seen one for the Wings, but I'm sure. But uh, yeah, just, yeah, we're going to, we're going to miss him as a big, big loss, but we, uh, we move, we move forward, right? Yeah. We have to. And uh, you need to move forward back to your next column, which I will look forward to reading. <laughs> and, yeah, if, we, if I don't move forward, Kirkland's going to call me pretty soon. He's like, where is that thing? Tell him. You talk to yeah, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he, he was a uh, Kirkland is our editor, of course. And he was, I said, I'm not sure if I can do this. He's like, well, see how you feel around five or so. And I'm like, okay, you really want me to do it. So. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the voice wasn't wasn't too too painful. But it's good to see you, my man. And uh, you and I will catch up soon. Uh, do you mind taking us out and th thanking the people? Yeah, hope you feel better, Sean. And um, look forward to all your coverage from from Houston, from the Wolverines. I'm sure to be victorious uh, national championship victory over Washington. Uh, in fact, you know what, Kirk went to Washington State, which is close enough. He probably would have, would have been rooting for the Huskies, I bet. But I don't know. Maybe he hated them. I, That's I, their right. Asked right. About it. <laughs> yeah. I is a Seattle guy, though. We have another. Um, we have another editor, uh, Ryan. Uh, he's just an editor. State. He doesn't count. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, we have to thank Robin Chan, our producer, executive producers, Kirk Crawford, and Anjana Delgado, and our editor Nicole Avery Nichols, but mostly our listener out there who's sure to join us for our next probably Wednesday right Sean or we'll record Wednesday and it'll come out Thursday yeah, probably yeah. okay we'll figure out we'll figure it out we'll figure it out 
So the antibiotics will have kicked in by then. Good. I hope. Good. Yeah. 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 All right, bud. Get back to it. Good to see you. And uh, thanks for listening, folks. We will we will talk to you all later in the week when we're back with more free press sports with Carlson Chalk.